Today's reading is Luke chapter 15, which can be found on page 1048 of the Church Bibles. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. He sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. 
But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Good morning and welcome to HT, especially if it's your first time. It's great to be with you. My name's Stuart and I head up the student work here. So if you're an undergraduate and you, we haven't met yet, I'd love to say hello to you. But you don't have to be an undergraduate to come and say hello to me. I'd love to meet you. So um, yeah, let's pray as we come to look at these uh, passages together. Lord, we thank you for all that you reveal to us of yourself in your word and, and what you have before us today and I pray, Lord Jesus, you'd come by your spirit and uh, fill me that what I speak would be your words today. Amen. Great. Well, I wonder what makes you celebrate? What makes you celebrate? What, what kind of occasions, what kind of things are the kind of things that you get the bubbly out for? You know, or you say to a friend, oh, we've got to book, we've got to book our favorite restaurant or, uh, you know, uh, let's throw a party. What kind of things make you celebrate, I wonder? Because actually, you know, what we celebrate, what we throw a party for, actually tells us quite a lot about ourselves, isn't it? It's quite a revealing thing. What do you throw parties for? I was uh, trying to think back, uh, you know, in my childhood growing up, what did we celebrate as a family? And I was thinking, you know, okay, well, Christmas was obviously really big. We had a big Christmas. Actually, interestingly, Easter was always a bigger uh, event in our household, so it was a really big celebration at at Easter. Um, uh, Birthdays, not so much, actually. I think we missed a couple of birthdays here and there, like completely forgotten. Um, But I've done some online tests, and I think I've made it through without any trauma, so I think I'm fine. Um, Birthday cards, as an aside, I have a totally foreign territory to me. I don't understand them. Um, You know... We didn't really get them as a child. It was just kind of their non-thing. So, um, but I do want to assure you, uh, you know, if you've written me a birthday card, I have come to understand that that means a lot to you that you've written that to me. So, thank you, thank you for that. Um, but anyway, the question is, isn't it? What do you celebrate? Because it tells you, it tells you a lot, doesn't it? Well, this morning in these three parables, Jesus is talking to us about what makes God celebrate. What makes God smile? What makes God throw a party? He gives us a little window into our Father in Heaven's heart. What makes him throw a party? And that is what, that is what these three parables are about. They are about uh, the heart of our Father in Heaven. And that is made most clear in the final of the three stories. We might call it the parable of the lost sons. And I do think it is the lost sons, plural, because there are two lost sons in this story. Because both of them, in their own way, have misunderstood their father's heart for them and for one another. The younger one, you might remember, is very clearly lost. Uh, But he thinks uh, that his relationship with his father is all about uh, that his father is a, a stern taskmaster, 
he thinks that his father is a killjoy. He thinks that all he can wait to do is get out from underneath his father. He wants to get as far away as possible because he thinks life is just going to be better further away from his father. So he's he kind of obviously lost. But then the older brother, who we might think, oh, oh, he's not lost at all. Actually, we see if we look closely, he has a very similar view or, uh, that is the same as his younger brother. He, he thinks that this relationship with his father, is all, he also thinks it's all about service. He also uh, thinks that this is all about what he can do for his father. And um, so while they're very similar in their general thinking about their father's heart for them, just like two good brothers, they take opposite approaches to how they're going to deal with this. The first one runs away, and the second one says, right, well, fine, if that's what my father wants of me, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going I'm I'm to serve my father perfectly, and maybe one day I will earn his respect and maybe even his love. But we see, as this story continues, don't we, that both of them have missed their father's heart for them. When the first one comes home, though he's been incredibly disobedient and dishonored his father in many ways, what do we see? His father is watching and waiting. He runs out in compassion, completely undignified, and grabs his, uh, his son and welcomes him home. His father loves him. And then we see the, uh, the older brother as well. The same thing. What do we see at the end of this story? In an equally undignified way, the father leaves the party and he goes out and he pleads. I imagine him on his knees pleading, come in, come in, come and join the family celebration. Both of these brothers have missed the father's heart. They haven't understood their father's heart. And so the question for us this morning is this. Have we... Have we understood the Father's heart? Have we understood the Father's heart? And so we're going to have a look at, see, we're going to look at these three parables Jesus tells. We're going to look at them together. And we're going to see, what does Jesus want to say to us this morning about our Father in heaven's heart? And I guess the, uh, a good place to start, the best place to start, is to notice in, these th- in this passage who Jesus is talking to. It's always a good question to ask, by the way, whenever you're reading the gospel. Who is Jesus talking to in this passage? And in fact, in the first couple of verses, you can have a look there, it tells us that there are two groups of people who would have been listening in to Jesus as he tells these parables. But the main group, the first group that Jesus is talking to, are a group called the Pharisees. And they are a group of religious leaders of the day. In other words, the people that Jesus is telling these three parables to, they are kind of a group of people who, who, who are sort of self-proclaimed God followers. You know, I think if it, if, we were talking, if it was today, they'd be the kind of people who came every single Sunday uh, to church. I think they, they, you know, they knew their Bibles really, really well. You know, if they asked them, they would say, yes, I am up for a life that pleases God. You know, they were, they were, they were, they were keen. They were keen. And I want us to make that connection because I think that if Jesus was speaking these parables today, I think he might be speaking to a lot of us here today. I think he might be telling these parables to a lot of us because a lot of us, I know there'll be some for whom this isn't true, but a lot of us would have put our hands up and say, yeah, yeah, I'm a paid up Christian. I'm, 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 you know, I, I'm excited about trying to live a life that pleases God. You know, when I come to church on a Sunday, I feel, I feel at home. And 
I think that Jesus would be speaking to us. And if that is us, and I'm aware it isn't all of us, but if it is us, then this is what I think Jesus would have to say to us today through these three parables. Have you learned to share the heart of the Father for the return of the lost? Have you learned to share the heart of the Father for the return of the lost? Because that is what all three of these uh, stories have in common. That, That is the common point in all of them. In fact, you could say that they are the same parable retold three, time, three times in three different ways. Uh, they're, they're, if you like, if you, no, some of you won't connect with this metaphor, but if you like, it's like an armor-piercing shell. You know anything about that? Right? There are three explosions, and each one gets through a next layer of the tank. Um, yes, glazed faces. Okay, but Jesus is trying to make a point. He's trying to get through us. He tells us the same parable three times over because he wants us to get this. And in these three parables, when we look at them together, there are two ideas, two themes, two motifs, if you like, that repeat themselves almost word for word in all three. And I think these are the two themes, two motifs that sew them together. And they're the core of what Jesus is trying to get across to us. And the first one is this. I think the first thing that Jesus is trying to to get across to us is this. The value of the lost. The value of the lost. To kind of state the obvious about these stories, uh, in each of the parables, something of increasing value, uh, first of all a sheep, then a treasure, and then a son, is first of all lost, then it is sought after, and then it is found. And in each case, what we see, what we see is a preferential focus, a preferential activity, a preferential seeking after that which is lost. That is what sews these three things together. Now, we might not instantly connect with these parables. I mean, I don't know when was the last time you lost any sleep over any wayward livestock. Um, There might be some, I don't know, but not me. But nonetheless, I don't think actually these parables are that hard for us to understand. Imagine, uh, instead of being a shepherd... You are, in fact, new to Cambridge, and uh, you have just, I don't know, moved into a new house. And in an act act of soon regrettable enthusiasm, you have gone out and adopted five gorgeous puppies. Oh, I don't know, pick your your puppy, a labradoodle, uh, whatever it is. But they're gorgeous, and they're fluffy, and they're bouncy, and it's really exciting, and you don't know what you've got yourself in for. But anyway, um, you've got five puppies. And then one day, you go out to grab some milk, you know, just pop out, milk's gone off, uh, maybe you're a student, didn't buy milk at all in the first place, and you have to pop out to get some, get some milk. When you get back, to your horror, you find the front door is ajar, and it dawns on you that you've probably left the front door open, and you kind of walk in with intrepidation, and what happens but four lovely, bouncy puppies come up to greet you. Now, what do you do in that moment? What do you do in that moment? Do you go... Well, you know what? Four out of five is a pretty good ratio. (laughs) I mean, if my math's correct, that's 80%. That is a starred first (laughs) in some circumstances. Uh, You know, or or if you live anywhere my end of town, four out of five times getting a parking spot on my road is incredible. That's really good odds. So you might think, oh, four out of five puppies, that's fine. 
No, of course you don't do that. You grab the four puppies that are in front of you, you stick them in a room so that they're safe and you know where they are, and then you go running down the street shouting the obviously bad name you gave your puppy until you find your puppy. Or to make, to make the, the point again from the second parable, imagine that after the 2008 financial crash, you have picked up a deep cynicism of big banks. Now, you might not need to imagine that. That might have actually happened. Um, but because of this, you choose that you're going to save your new car, maybe £5,000 you need to save for your new car. You're going to save it in a shoebox under your bed. Right? So uh, at this point, some of you are panicking because you've actually done this. But anyway, um, so you're saving and saving and saving, and you're kind of working out how much you're saving each month. And at some point, you realize you've saved £5,000. So you get the shoebox out, and you have a look in, uh, in your bo- box, and then you find, oh, no. There's only £4,000 here. What do you do at that point? Do you go, oh, £4,000 is quite a lot of money. That's quite good. Just, just 1000 missing. That's not bad odds. No, no, you put it back under your bed with all the money in, and you go and you try and remember who last visited your house. And you go and knock on the door and you ask them for your money back, don't you? Um, you don't just go, oh, that's, that's, that's good odds. You see, I don't think these parables are actually that hard for us to get the center of. It's not that the fifth puppy or that the fifth thousand pounds is more valuable or inherently more important than the other four, right? It's just that the other four are safe. You know where they are. You don't need to worry too much about them. It's the fifth one. It's the fifth one that you need to focus on. It's the fifth one you need to seek after and look for. And if that's true of dogs and cash, how much more of people? And that's what the final parable, Jesus kind of brings this to, a, he talks about how he views his children. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge for, for many of us here today. So often we as Christians are happy with four out of five. We're happy with four out of five. Maybe we look around the room here or maybe we're in a small, small group and we look around our small group or our Christian friends and we say, ah, oh, isn't this a great bunch of, you know, at-home, safe um, people who know God? Oh, isn't this wonderful? What a great thing to celebrate. And it is a good thing to celebrate, and it's great. But I wonder whether Jesus wouldn't be just prodding us right now, challenging us and saying, yes, but maybe, just maybe, our focus and our energy needs to be for those who are not yet here. Maybe, just maybe, we need to think again about the value of the lost. And as I've been looking at this passage and uh, reading and rereading it, something's kind of occurred to me, which is that, you know, I was just asking myself, why, why am I not so as urgent as Jesus is about, about the lost? What am I missing that Jesus has? And something kind of occurred to me. It's that it seems clear to me that none of what Jesus is saying is going to make sense to us unless we begin to share his real sense of urgency uh, and seriousness about what it means to be lost. You know, in all three of these parables, they only really work if the person who's lost or the thing that's lost is really in trouble. And I think it's significant that when the, the, the final son comes home, Jesus doesn't have him saying, 
Oh, it's been it's great to see you. Welcome home. It's been a long time since we've seen you. Why don't we come in? Uh, it's uh, you know we missed you at Christmas. Come and sit down. It's like no. What is what does Jesus have him saying? He says this: This son of mine was dead, and now he is alive. He was lost, and now he's found. And that is a glimpse into how Jesus sees what's going. On. And I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves. It's not something most of us don't know, but we have to kind of sober ourselves, remind ourselves that Jesus clearly teaches here, and he clearly teaches elsewhere as well, that being separated, being estranged from our Father, who is the God of life, is ultimately a death sentence. It's a serious thing. People need to come home. It's, it, it's a big thing, and we have to remind ourselves of that, or we will not be able to connect with what Jesus is saying here. And so I think Jesus, he calls his people, he calls us to have a preferential focus on the lost, a preferential focus on the lost. And I want to say that is going to take energy. It's something that we have to decide to do. It's something that as individuals we have to decide... It, 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 do you know it's going to take money? Do we, do we have a budget for it? <laughs> we should have a budget for it. It's going to take time. It's going to take, uh, it's going to be uncomfortable. It, one thing it's going to take is we're going to have to spend a little bit less time at home, whatever that is. Less time with the people who, who are already safe. You know, the shepherd leaves to go and find, uh, you know, the father is waiting at the edge. He goes out of the party for the older son. It's going to take time and energy and focus. But that's what Jesus calls us to in this first theme, this first motif. The value of the lost. Have we, have we understood that? But the second theme, the second motif which repeats itself in each three parables, is a very different one. It's that of rejoicing and celebration. Did you see that in the passage? Three times. Rejoicing and celebration. Then he called his friends and neighbors together and said, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep. Then she called her friends and neighbors together and said, Rejoice with me, because I found my coin. And then, Bring the fattened calf and kill it, said the father. Let's have a feast and celebrate, because my son, who was dead, is now alive. He was lost, and now he's found. And I think a really key thing to kind of help us understand what's going on in this whole passage is to notice um, that when Jesus tells these three parables, he isn't actually doing it in a seminar on how to share your faith. That's not the situation, actually. He's not kind of um, at the CU meeting talking to CU about how to share their faith. What is it, where is he actually doing? What's actually happening? Well, again, beginning of the passage helps us. Actually, Jesus is defending his own actions. He's defending his own actions. We're told there that he was eating and celebrating with the tax collectors and sinners. He was eating and drinking. With, he's round the table with a bunch of misfits. And I imagine that the, the reason why he's round the table with these uh, tax collectors, for example, it's because just like Zacchaeus, the tax collector, a few chapters earlier, these are the ones, we're told, who are coming near to hear him. These are the ones who were responding to him. These are the ones who've heard the good news in Jesus, and they have believed. They have come home to Jesus. 
Here's what I think is happening. Jesus was in the middle of throwing an extravagant welcome home party for sons and daughters who had come home. Jesus was literally in the middle of throwing an extravagant welcome home party when the Pharisees interrupt and they're disapproving. They're saying, how can you have this part? How can you be celebrating with these people like that? And the three parables he's telling here, they're his answer to them. He's, he's, repli- he's justifying himself and he's saying, essentially saying this. He says, not only, not only how can you be having a go at me, but he's saying, how can you not be joining me? How can you not be joining me for this celebration? You see, the Pharisees, and in some sense we are, the friends and neighbors in the first two parables who are invited to come and rejoice with Jesus. We are, and the Pharisees are, the older brother to which Jesus says, how can you not come and celebrate with me when your younger brother has come home? He was dead and now he's alive. How can you not be part of this party? And what I think Jesus is saying to us today through this second theme is, have you discovered God's heart of joy for the return of those who are lost. Because if we haven't, we are out of step with God's heart. We're out of step with God's heart. I don't think it's enough just going on the first theme. I don't think it's enough just to see sharing our faith, just to see evangelism as some sort of anxious duty, an anxious searching out of the lost. Um, it's not enough, I think, just to see the equation. Well, you know, four out of five puppies is enough. And, and, and you know, there's one left. And we, that's the one in danger, so we have to go and seek it. And it's all true, and it should move us, but it's not enough. We are being invited into something much, much bigger here by Jesus. And that is not just to share his mission, but to share his heart of joy. His, to come and share in the celebration of those who are coming home to him. And I want to say that there are many great things to be excited about in the Christian life. Some of us are super excited about discipleship and, you know, walking alongside people as they grow deeper in their faith. Some of us are really excited about uh, the the gifts of the Holy Spirit and seeing that uh, God move in that way more and more. Some of us are excited about compassion ministries. Some of us are excited by all kinds of things. These are all good and they are brilliant. And God, in a wonderful way, puts different things on different people's hearts. Fantastic. But I do want to say, and I think Jesus would say, it's why he says this three times. If you're excited about one of those or even all of those, but you can't get excited about, you can't take joy in people coming home to their father, people finding Jesus for the very first time. And somewhere along the line, you have missed the heart of God. You have. And I also think that, um, I think it's so important, not only so that we pray for ourselves, so that we go, Lord, share your heart with me. Show me some of this joy. But also I think it will really change the way that we go about sharing our faith with other people. Um, when I was in uh, Israel uh, a number of years ago, I got, had a great trip there. Um, we got to meet uh, a, a guy who had led a large church in the old city of Jerusalem. And... Um, him and others, uh, 
we heard um, tell us about hundreds of people who've become Christians in that church from all the different quarters of Jerusalem, all kinds of backgrounds. Now, if you've ever been there or you know anything about the old city of Jerusalem, you'll know that that's actually absolutely extraordinary because it is one of the most divided places in the world. The barriers between uh, uh, you know, ethnicity and religions are enormous. Uh, to see anyone come to Christ from across the city is extraordinary. But they're seeing hundreds of people. And so I kind of like jumped on this and I was like, okay, great. Tell me, tell me, what did you guys do? You know, like, what was your, I want to learn. Tell me what, what you guys did. I was expecting some sort of like, well, when you're talking to Muslims, then why don't you start with this part of the Quran? Or when you talk to, you know, I was expecting some sort of mechanism, some sort of something to help me. But instead, I was just blown away with what this guy said. He said, well, you know what we kind of worked out? was one of the most important things that you had to want people to come and join you at home in church. You had to want people to come home. You know, it, so often when we do evangelism, this is him speaking, we, we want people just to admit that they're wrong and that we're right. But we don't really care about them. But if you can cultivate in your own heart and in a church a desire for people to come home and be part of your family, then it just totally changes everything. It's like when the younger brother's coming home and the older brother is standing next to the father, welcoming and bringing home. The older brother goes out and fetches the younger son because they want him to come home. It makes all the difference in the world. And Jesus this morning is inviting us to come and share not only his mission to the lost, but also his heart of joy. But... I can't end there. I can't end there because there is a third point which is just, just as much good news. But it is in a slightly different direction. Because there was another group of people listening in that morning. Uh, you know, maybe you were sitting here this morning, you were thinking, okay, well, thanks for all of this, but I don't really appreciate being talked about in the third person. I don't really appreciate you know, because I, I, I wouldn't put my hand up and say, yes, I follow Jesus. Yes, I, I come to church. And you're thinking, you know, what's going on? Well, I'll tell you, there was another group of people listening in that day. And it was the group of tax collectors and sinners who would have been sitting around that table while they overheard Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And I just imagine how encouraging it would have been to overhear Jesus wax lyrical about how much the Father loved them. Can you imagine how encouraging that must have been? Kind of, you know, you're hearing things in the third person, but how encouraging that must have been. And I just want to say, if you're here today, and you would say, you know what, I haven't come home. I haven't come back to God. I wouldn't say that I follow him. I want to say that these three parables are also good news for you. They are good news. They're good news for sheep, lost sheep and lost coins and lost sons and daughters. And if you are not home yet, I want you to overhear this morning, overhear how much your Father in heaven loves you. How much he loves you. And we know, don't know, that there are lots of different ways of being lost. There are, even here. You know, some of us are, are a bit more like the older brother, aren't we, um, it's, it's sort of, we're lost less because we've run away and ruined our lives and done some big gesture, uh, but more because even though we might have lived at home all our lives, we've never really come to know what it means to feel at home with our Father in heaven. We've never really 
moved to a place where we've known his love. And, and we've known the joy of that in our lives. We, we couldn't imagine going in to celebrate with the family. And then, of course, there are others of us who are, you know, we'd happily put our hands up and say, yes, I'm the, I'm the younger brother. I know I'm in the far country, you know. I know that I turn my back on God. I wouldn't have a problem admitting that I've lived a life that, that wouldn't please him, that hasn't pleased him. Well, you know, there's a lot more to the good news of Jesus Christ than we can get out of this parable. You know, there's a lot more, you know, the cross isn't in here, the resurrection isn't here. Um, there's a lot more to what Jesus has done to make the way for us to come back to the Father than is, than is in this parable. But the headline is this. If that's you this morning, you're thinking, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not home yet. This is what you need to hear. You have a home and you have a Father who loves you. You have a, you have a home and you have a Father who loves you. And if you would turn around and go home, he would throw a party. He would celebrate. He, he would throw a party like he throws a party for nothing else. Maybe that's totally news for you. And I want to say that you could begin that journey today. It's not hard. It's not hard to come home. And if you wanted to do that, I would love to talk to you after the service. Come and grab me. I'd love to talk to you about that and uh, begin that journey with you. But I couldn't end this, this talk on the three parables without just saying, you have a father who loves you. Shall we pray to, to finish? Lord Jesus, I, I, I thank you for the encouragement we draw from these parables, Lord. These windows, thank you for the window you give us into our Father's heart. And Lord Jesus, thank you for, that you show us how much our Father loves us. Thank you, Father, that you run towards us. You have a heart desires us to come home would you put that deep in our hearts Lord Jesus that would let it fuel us as we go out and Lord we also pray that you would um, renew our sense of keenness our sense of urgency about sharing your love with others Lord Jesus let that flow not just from a kind of anxiety but from your heart give us your heart Lord Jesus for those older and younger brothers who've not yet come home. Amen.